0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And as you might guess by the music you hear underneath me, joining me is the voice of Houston Cougars basketball, Jeremy Branham. Great to have you back on the show, Jeremy, and I hope you made it through the Houston Popsicle blackout unscathed.
1: (laughs) I did. You know, we, we lost power for a day or two, but considering everything that happened to the city, uh, pretty lucky so we got through okay I hope you did too
0: yeah I want to ask you about some other weird circumstances this year because you know it's just been really crazy both for the players and for everybody what's it been like to call the games this year how exactly are you doing it
1: Uh, home games is, is pretty similar the, the only difference is they moved our broadcast spot to the concourse uh, so we're higher a little closer to the middle so that, that hasn't been a whole lot different. It's a little different to, to kind of get the speed of the game and just the different viewpoint, you know, presents different challenges, not not to say it's good or bad one way or the other, just that it's different, but that's fine. I mean, the home games have been easy. The road games have been a challenge, you know, we're calling them off a monitor and, you know, I'm somebody that kind of, I, I, I kind of find my energy from the crowd. So uh, that's been different. That's been, you know, suboptimal, but, just lucky to be calling games. You know, there was you know, some chatter that, you know, maybe there wasn't going to be college basketball this year. You know, we didn't really know until football season started that there would be sports at all. So there are days whenever I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Calling it off a monitor again where I just remind myself that, you know, we're lucky to have sports at all. Lucky to be calling a game. So uh, it's not the best circumstances, but it's a lot better than doing nothing at all.
0: Are you calling in the same place with Elvin? Or are you guys in different locations?
1: No, Elvin and I are in the same spot. So, you know, every time that we have a game, home games, of course, we're both together there on the concourse, socially distanced, far enough away. And then same thing for our remote location. You know, we we have long cords. We spread out pretty good, but we're in the same area watching it off the same monitor.
0: Well, let's move to what's going on with the 12th-ranked Cougars. And it's been weird because they've been mostly crushing teams all year, but with a surprising... Wichita State lost last week. They fall into second in the conference, even though they're sixth in the power rankings. Uh, are, are there two losses in the last five at all concerning to anybody as we're leading up to March Madness?
1: They're not concerning to me. Uh, I don't think they're concerning to you know the team and the coaching staff. I think they kind of realize that you're going to lose a game here or there in college basketball. I think that they probably wait. Wichita State is a better opponent than a lot of people view them. You, know, you look at Wichita State's schedule, they – you know they do lack quality signature wins until the the victory against Houston. But you look at their losses; they're all against quality opponents. But I think some fans probably are concerned a little bit after a loss, and that's just you know what fans do. You know fans are fanatical, and that's good. That's why we like fans. It's why they go crazy at arenas, and that's why they boo you like crazy on the road. So you know that's part of sport. It's great. It's awesome but um you know i think that that fans react differently than players coaches but uh if you were to ask kelvin sampson if you were to ask the players on the team that they would say no look we're, we're the same team that you know we've we've been all along we're the same team that's climbed as high as six in the nation last week fifth in the coaches poll you know sometimes you need a loss to kind of find yourselves again so i kind of think that's what happened and then you see what they did against cincinnati so i'm one to I think sometimes losses can kind of help you know you kind of refocus you kind of get back on to the grind a little bit you get back to things that made you successful so you know, you'll we'll see what kind of uh what happens in the games to come but that loss against Wichita State I don't think was shocking you know that, that's a really good team
0: watching the AAC this year do you, do you feel like the conference is is down or do you think the Cougars are making teams just look worse than they are it's a good question
1: I think it is a little bit of both I think one thing that hurts the conference too is just the wacky schedule. Like, like Wichita State, let's take them for an example. Uh, they have two wins against non-division one programs that that really you know doesn't factor into their computer rankings. If they were to beat some you know middling teams from outside the Power Seven conferences, then they're probably a tournament team. Uh, you know Memphis and SMU, uh, they've been hit by COVID. They've been on pause. If they had a few more wins. They're probably on the right side of the bubble. I saw a bracket yesterday that has actually had SMU as one of the last four teams in and had Memphis as the first team out. So I think that, you know, in years past, you know, you had teams that were locks for the tournament in the American Conference. This year, you have good teams that kind of had these weird schedules that have hurt them. And then, yeah, the Cougars have been, you know, really good in the league and they've been tough to beat.
0: What has been a surprise or two for you from the Cougs this year, whether it's a particular player or something you weren't maybe expecting from this team? I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I think the biggest surprise,
1: I think it's obvious now that I think about it for a second, is Fabian White, uh, that he was able to come back from a torn ACL in eight and a half months. And his last game against Cincinnati, he was a factor. You know, getting him back was awesome. You know, seeing a guy work hard, seeing a guy who has a, a lot of stock in the company, to borrow that phrase in, in the Houston Cougar basketball program, to see him come back, to want to come back and play in less than nine months after tearing his ACL, like that's inspiring for teammates. That's motivating for teammates. That's a leader leading through his actions. The second part of that though is you ask yourself, What what will he produce on the floor? You know, how much can he actually help you? Uh, you know, guys coming back from ACL surgery in less than nine months. How close to 100% can they be? What will he become before the end of the season? So, those are questions you ask yourself once he gets back onto the floor. And then the game he had against Cincinnati kind of answers all those questions. He had 10 points, nine rebounds in 20 minutes. The offense was going through him at times. He looked really good on the defensive end, blocking a shot or two. Like, he looked like old Fabian White. And nobody, you know, outside of the program, including myself, would would think that you're getting Fabian White back this season. You're getting Fabian White back in late February, ready to go into March, ready to go into tournament season. And, and quite frankly, you know, he's a player that's talented that's probably a first-team all-conference type of player. So all of a sudden, you add him to this bench, and you add him to this team, you, you add a weapon that that nobody saw coming early in the season.
0: You beat me to the punch because I was definitely going to ask you about Fabian. The next guy I wanted to talk to you about is Dejan Giroux, who... Has taken a major leap in play over the last few games, uh, putting up a lot more points. What's changed? Is it just matchups or is it possible that he's taken his game up a level and this could be a game changer for U of H's ceiling potentially?
1: Yeah, not to be boring, but I think it's both. Um, you know, if Dajon – I can't. I haven't done my prep for Thursday's game yet against Western Kentucky, but Dajon in his last three games prior to the Cincinnati game was averaging about 19 points per game in his previous three. And against Cincy, he would have got there, but they, they benched the starters about halfway through the second half. I think he finished in double figures, though. So, you know, you, you add a, another scoring weapon – with uh, Dejon who can he can get to the rim better than anybody on this team. You know, he he's good at beating his defender off the dribble. He's a good finisher at the rim at times. His shots fallen too. He's always been a pretty good mid range shooter. He he's not been a good three point shooter if we're calling a spade a spade. But this year he's shooting over 30%. It's kind of like what Galen Robinson did his senior season when uh, opponents weren't respecting his outside game. They were daring him to shoot. And then Galen Robinson suddenly became over a 30% three-point shooter his senior year, and teams had to adjust to that. Teams had to respect it. Teams had to defend it. And uh, Dajon has forced opponents into that uh, this season. And I also think it is matchups, though, because you look at uh, how defenses defend the Cougars, and you have to give a ton of attention to Quentin Grimes because when you don't, he'll light you up. And he's been one of the more more consistent performers in the conference and in the country. He's top five in scoring. And outside of when he had those foot injuries a few weeks ago, I mean, he's been as consistent as can be. You have to pay attention to Marcus Sasser because if you give Marcus Sasser an inch of space, he's going to bury a bunch of threes. And if he hits a couple of threes, all of a sudden he's going to hit, you know, two, two or three threes for Marcus Sasser turned into five or six in a hurry. He's a streaky shooter. He's a good shooter. So you have, to, you have to respect that. And with defenders guarding Grimes the way they do, guarding Sasser the way they do, it opens up avenues. It opens up lanes for Giroux, and he's taking advantage of it. And it's only going to help
0: the Cougars offensively. For most basketball teams, the leader is either the best player or the point guard. Is Giroux the leader, or is it Quentin Grimes? I think that
1: they're both leaders in their own ways. Um, you know, Grimes is not necessarily the most vocal guy. You know, talk to you, but he's not the one that's going to be leading the communication on the team. He does it more through his hard work by action. He's one of the hardest workers on the team. Uh, he puts in the effort, gets up tons of shots. Uh, I think his leadership is more through action. Uh whereas you know Dejon Giroux is, is- is the floor general you know he's on the floor he's the one getting the cougars in their sets getting them in their actions i would say he's their best defender i mean you look at who the cougars have played this season they've played some really good scorers and every time that you have a really good score it's dejan jerome that's drawing the toughest defensive assignment you go back to Derek austin of boise state who's one of the best scorers in the country dejan jerome held him to zero points i mean he did not score on dejan Giroux. so you know he's kind of that vocal leader. the the floor general. And then he's also very vocal on the defensive side. You'll see him kind of telling his guys where to be, uh, what the rotations are, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, Dajon is the, is the floor general for the Houston Cougars.
0: Are there any under the radar storylines from this season, a a player or just something that you think people might've missed in the last couple of months? No,
1: I don't. Yeah. Because this season has been so crazy and you, you feel for the kids Because they're the ones that are the most affected, you know, having to to get cancellations. You know, there was a game this year where the Houston Cougars flew into Tampa and whenever they landed in Tampa, they found out they weren't going to play. And, you know, these are college basketball players. They're student athletes, yes, but, you know, their, their school has been affected most of it's now remote you know you're not having the full school experience going to classes you know people talking to you kids talking you know the other students talking to you basketball is a lot different obviously you have the covid restrictions uh, you you have games that are getting moved around you know at the snap of a finger Cougars had it western kentucky on thursday last week so you know it's it's different and i the thing that i feel bad for uh, the players is the fact that they don't get the, the full Fertitta Center experience you know that place is rocking that, that's one of the best home arenas in college basketball it's it's the buzz and the excitement inside the Fertitta Center in the last few years whenever you get that place at full capacity I mean it is it's tons of fun and you know the, the seniors are the guys that are going to leave for the Houston Cougars after this year they didn't get that in their final season and I hate that for them so I wish they had that I wish that You know, even whenever they go on the road, you know, it's fun to silence, you know, a home crowd. It's fun to go into Wichita State and silence the fans in the roundhouse. Same thing in Memphis. You know, that to me is one of the the best sounds in all of sports is when you you silence a really good home crowd. So, yeah, that that to me is the biggest deal. Like, I I hate that for the players that this is a one of the top teams in the entire country. They would have sold out the Fertitta Center every single night. That place would have been rocking. That place would have been buzzing. And, you know, they don't get that. So that makes me a little sad for them.
0: Well, a lot of us in Houston get to watch a team in the Toyota Center that has all kinds of problems rebounding the basketball, if if you've noticed. And you hear a lot of discussion Mm -hmm. about the size of the Rockets players, their height. The Cougars are the best team in college basketball at rebounding. And it's not like they got a bunch of giants, Jeremy. Is there a way to explain what they do beyond just effort?
1: I think the best way to explain it's uh Kelvin Sampson's quote after the Cincinnati game was that we need to rebound to survive. We need to rebound to live. That's just who they are. I mean, and it, it sounds dramatic, right? But if they don't rebound, they're, they're not going to have basketball success. It's their lifeblood. It is what they do. The, you know, that's how they score on the offensive end. Uh, you'll hear many talking heads and many critics when they talk about you know, the Cougar basketball team and uh, they talk about the strengths and weaknesses of the team. And th- the biggest weakness that I often hear is that they're not a good shooting team, which statistically – they're usually slightly better than what they let on. The Cougars, I think, are in the top third in the league in shooting now. Three-point shooting is in the top third. They lead the league in offense. But what the Cougars do that makes their offense so successful is that they offensive rebound. You know, they they get missed shots. They get second chances. So that's why Kelvin Sampson says for us to survive and for us to live, we have to rebound the basketball because they got to rebound their misses. And then on the defensive end, they like to rebound with their guards. They like to rebound with Grimes. You'll see Grimes. I mean, he's, he had eight rebounds against Cincinnati. He's, I think he's in the top ten. I haven't checked recently, but um, he's been routinely in the top ten in the league in rebounding, which, you know, Quinn Grimes, a guard, top ten in the league in rebounding. Dejan Giroux, a good rebounding guard. And the reason that they like to do that is, like you mentioned, they're not always the biggest team. So with their bigs, with Gorham, with, with Gresham, with Cheney, now with Fabian White. Those guys, the assignment on the defensive end is to box out their guy. Box out their guy, if the rebounds there, then yeah, go get it. But box out the guy is the number one priority. And then you have Grimes and Giroux that crash the glass and they get the rebounds. And that's why their numbers are high on the rebounding side. That's why Nate Hinton was one of the best rebounding guards in the country. Armani Brooks, one of the best rebounding guards in the country. Damian Dotson, one of the best rebounding guards in the country. So it's no no surprise. It's no secret. It's what they do. And also it helps their pace. You know, if, if Grimes gets a rebound, if Jerome gets a rebound, they don't have to outlet it. You know, they don't have to kick it out to a guard. They start the break. They get up the floor. And I think when the Cougars are clicking is whenever, you know, they're moving the basketball. They're getting up in transition. Now they can't do that against every team because a lot of teams will send five back and, you know, take away the transition game. But, you know, that's, that's their identity. It's who they are.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of a close game the Cougars have won this year. Can that be a bad thing as we approach March?
1: I can't think of a tight game that they've had either. They've come from behind, but not necessarily like in the last couple of minutes. You know, South Carolina was a game that they trailed in half, but they they eventually won that one kind of going away, built a double digit lead in the second half. Uh, Most of the games that they've had, you're right. You know, it's been a convincing victory. Uh, They've lost three times, didn't come back in any one of those. Um, I don't know. I, I think you would like to see a comeback win here or there. Uh, I think there's many ways you can win a game. I think it's good to get the wars. I think it's good to get the battles like that. I think it's good to be in those close game situations uh, to kind of learn from it, to to evaluate who you are, to watch film on how you would handle things differently. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's good being in close game situations. I, I don't know what the value of winning those close games is when it comes to March and playing in a new game. Um, sure, I, I guess it would help, but... You know that's that's another reason that Wichita State game to me is you know a good learning experience. Yeah, you want to win every single game that you play. That's a game you're down by ten. You know, it's a tough environment. Wichita State had some fans there and it was pretty loud. You know, that was one of the better home court advantages in this pandemic uh, type of season. But you know, there's some learning lessons in that one. Would you have liked to see them pull away and win? Uh, Yeah, would that help you more in March? I don't know. Um, But it is good to get those games in. I agree with you. And I think that the Cougars coming from behind, coming back from 10 points, uh, getting within one in those final, you know, the final minute, missing a couple of free throws, um, you know, getting that flagrant foul. You know, those are all good learning lessons. I think that that's something that will help them in March.
0: The question that we're going to start hearing, I guess, as we approach uh, the tournament is what kind of team could give the Cougars problems? Are there specific teams or certain styles or anything that scares you or looks like it could be a bad matchup for them?
1: See, I think the tournament's more of a crapshoot than anything else. And I do believe in matchups. I believe there's good matchups, bad matchups. But whenever you're playing one game, like, anything can happen. You get a team that hits a ton of threes that are well defended. Like, you're going to lose that game. If, if I look at a bad matchup, like, I mean maybe a team that has incredible length and incredible athleticism with really good guard play that can defend Jarreau and Grimes and match them up a good defensive team. But, you know, this is a, this is a Cougar team that whenever they go to the postseason, they're always a tough out. You know, you go back to the last time that they played two years ago when they played Kentucky, you know, what would happen if Tyler hero doesn't hit that three point shot, you know, what happens if Michigan Jordan pool doesn't hit that desperation three at the buzzer. So, You know, Kelvin Sampson team is going to be a tough out no matter who you're playing. So from a matchup perspective, you know, outside of Gonzaga and Baylor, who I think are the clear cut top two teams in the country, I think it's kind of uh, wide open after that.
0: What do you think of how they're doing March Madness, how they're constructing the dance?
1: I think it's probably best for, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. You know, they want to make sure everybody's safe. They want to make sure nobody picks up the virus. They want to get the tournament in. They want to keep the team safe. I mean, I I think they're doing the, the best thing that they can do. It's not going to be as great as all the other NCAA tournaments have been. But given the circumstances, I think they're doing as good a job as they
0: possibly can. Are they going to stick Jeremy Branham in a hazmat suit with a bubble around him to Indiana? <laughs> What's the deal? Are you going to get to go? If it meant
1: wearing a hazmat suit, I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, I haven't heard, to be honest, with being full transparency. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the plan is for the tournament. I, I've asked uh, a couple of the the powers if they knew any answers, and they said that uh, we're still trying to figure it out. The NCAA is still coming out with regulations too. Like I saw that um, you know, the first thing that they mentioned was that they're going to have Tier 1 personnel, which is players, coaches, immediate staff. Uh, they're going to be isolated in their own little bubble, kept away from everybody else. Uh I saw I think it was a couple days ago that they are gonna have reduced capacity crowds in the building. But I haven't seen anything about radio. So I, I think that everybody's just kind of waiting and seeing what the NCAA says and then going from there. Um I think the challenges for local radio being there is that they're they're not they're not coming home. You know, the, the team is going to the tournament right after the the conference tournament at Fort Worth. And they're basically going to be residents of the state until they get eliminated from the NCAA tournament. So I don't know. I, there's, I think there's some challenges. There's some hurdles hurdles to clear. Uh, I obviously would love to be there because, like I said earlier, I, I feed off of the the excitement of a game. I feed off even a reduced capacity crowd. But look, like I'm calling NCAA tournament games. I don't care where I'm at.
0: Let me ask you this cuz I was just thinking about it. This time last year, did you feel as good about the Cougars as you do this year? Better, worse, the same?
1: So my mindset's a little bit different than than most in the sense that like I try to look at the whole product. Like and I get it. Like whenever you talk about college basketball, the season for most is going to be defined on how they do in the tournament. Oh, it's an elite eight team. It's a final four team It's sweet 16. It, you know, it's a second weekend team. It's a team that got ousted in the second round or they got upset. So like, I don't, I, I like to look at it as a whole. I like to take it, you know, one season as a time. I don't like defining a year based on the NCAA tournament. Like, so I look back at last season, like they didn't necessarily have a conclusion but that's still a team that I feel like I had a, you know, an opinion on, like a grasp on. They were a really good team, top 25 team that would have been a tough out in the NCAA tournament. It's how I feel about this team. This is a good team that will be a tough out in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I don't know, you know, like if you were to play those two teams against one another or which team can make a deeper run. You know, I, I don't know if you can really answer that question because a lot of it comes down to who you play, what matchup you get. If you can get hot in one, I mean, anything can happen in one game between two teams that are very similar. So that's, that's a tough one. I, I think that's impossible to answer.
0: Have you noted that a guy named Armani Brooks is hitting over 40% from three for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers in the G League? <laughs>
1: yeah, I did. I, I, I saw that earlier today. It doesn't surprise me at all. I used to call him Sweet Shooting Armani Brooks. I mean, that was one of my... I was one of the my my favorite players to watch shoot because every everything that he released out of his hand you thought was going to go in. Um, so I'm I'm happy for Armani. I hope he eventually gets his chance in the NBA. I mean, the NBA is a league that loves three point shooting, and like you said, he's shooting over forty percent. So I imagine he gets his chance at some point. But yeah, that's that's. Awesome for Armani. It was a, it was a great kid. what meant a lot for the University of Houston, and you know, continued to to wish him well and root for him afar. I found it funny when I saw the rosters. I don't know how much uh, Jaron Cumberland's playing, but when I saw the roster release, I saw Armani and Jaron Cumberland on the same team, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Because Jaron Cumberland was like public enemy number one when he was at Cincinnati because he was so good. I mean, I mean, he's a he's a classy kid, but. I mean, that that guy was just so good as a college basketball player that you had sports hate for Jared Cumberland because of how good he was and games that he had against the Cougars where he seemed like he was unstoppable. So I kind of chuckled a little bit when I saw Armani and Cumberland on the same roster.
0: Speaking of ex-Cougars, have the Cougars missed Caleb Mills the last couple months?
1: You know, it's interesting because... You look at the, the few games after that and, you know, the roles were kind of identified. People knew what they were supposed to do. And I think there was some uncertainty a little bit with Caleb coming off of the ankle injury. He wasn't here all summer. So it was a little it was a little difficult to, to really for everybody to find their role, for the team to, to really capture that identity as a team. Caleb um, Caleb's a special player. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's he's really good. I imagine he's going to be really good at his next stop at Florida State. You know, I wish him the best. There's no ill feelings to to Caleb whatsoever. I, I would have liked to see what he could have become with, with Calvin Sampson, because I think Sampson gets the most out of his players. Uh, I would have loved to see him get healthy and what he could have meant to this team. If, if, you know, once everybody kind of established their, their roles and their identity, but I mean, the Cougars have lost a lot of great players over the years. I mean, you you go back to last year's team. They lost three starters from last year's team, maybe even four. You can, I guess you can make the case for three and a half starters coming back to this year's team, and they always seem to have answers, you know? So uh, I don't know if it necessarily made them better or made them worse, but, you know, it's who they are.
0: Well, I can't tell you how much fun it is to watch the Cougars and the effort and the energy and the nonstop go, go, go of that team every single game. It's just great. I know – you got to be enjoying it. Remind people before we go where on the dial they can find your calls of the game.
1: The 9.50 a.m. is our uh, flagship station. Uh, We get started 15 minutes before every game, pregame show with the the Big E and JB. Yeah, 9.50 a.m. every single game.
0: Well, thanks so much for doing this, Jeremy. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Always a pleasure, Robert. Uh, Thanks for having me on. All right, one last quick thing. Just a reminder to message us through Twitter, Facebook, or email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. If you have any questions or suggestions or comments or anything like that, hope you are enjoying the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, everybody.
1: You're listening to Houston
0: Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.